guest on this week uh i've got the dj uh dj is is, is it dj a-okay is it is it alex o'neill like was i not supposed to say your real name what is it man? <laughs> um it's it's usually just a-okay i like to avoid dj because i'm actually not really a dj more producer it's a, it's a kind of a weird a weird thing but uh yeah just a-okay is good <laughs> a-okay is good okay yeah. Um, you're calling in from somewhere in the Pacific time zone right now. Are you out in LA doing your thing? I am out in LA. Yep. Moved from Michigan to LA about eight months ago. I was about to say that's a long way from the D. Yeah, man. It's a whole different world out here, but, um, it's been an amazing experience so far. I love it. I I just, I don't honestly don't know if I can ever go back to cold weather. So (laughs) I'm enjoying it out here, man. Doing my thing. Dude, I completely feel that. I actually just moved to Austin about in the same time frame, like eight to nine months ago from uh, New Jersey. So, I mean, I'm going back there tomorrow. I'm flying back out there um, on a United flight, actually. I don't know if you, like, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know if uh, LA's gone to your head. I don't know if you can, like, if you're, like, still checking up on the news, if you've been out of the studio lately, but they're kind of in some shit right now. Yeah, man, well, good luck with that. <laughs> Just cooperate, I guess. Oh, cooperate man. with whatever they say. You know, I'm actually kind of, like, a big guy. I'm, like, six, uh, six five, like, two-something. And so, you know, what I'm really hoping is is that, like, a bunch of people are still boycotting United, so I get my own row. Oh, that would be nice. <laughs> I could definitely fuck with that. <laughs> I'm hoping for you, dude. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks. <laughs> Um, so you're probably best known for, uh, your collab with, uh, Quinn 92, uh, with, uh, uh, that song Kings of Summer, but you actually just dropped a new single that I've been listening to all day called The Shine. So I was wondering if you could kind of talk a little bit about that. It's kind of like the first time that you put out new music in a while. And, uh, if you could talk a little bit about you and Quinn, because it seems like you guys, uh, I was checking out your Instagram, his Instagram. Seems like you guys are kind of best friends on a mission right now. Yeah, we um we grew up together um in a suburb outside of Detroit um and we've known each other since I mean since elementary school but we kind of we got we both got into writing music at the same time and together um and originally I kind of started out just as his engineer um just like recording all of his vocals on like rap beats that he would bring over he started out just like rapping in high school um and then kind of slowly as i got like really involved with his project i kind of realized that i like wanted a place in the music industry and like i didn't want to just sit you know behind the computer and record the music i wanted to like be part of it so i um i ended up teaching myself how to produce um kind of in this time frame as he was starting to develop and i was starting to help him develop and uh yeah so we kind of just like learned together and created our sound together so we um we moved out to la together um we have another roommate out here but um it's two of us living out here we both signed to columbia um it's kind of everything is like a package deal um more so in that like we're a collective we're not we're not a band 
um, pretty much everything we do is band like. We tour, we've toured together, you know, we've done all of that, but we're kind of just a collective and kind of just get each other's vision. So we try to keep it, you know, close knit. Um, but yeah, that's kind of it's been the tie with him so far. Mm-hmm. So what's it kind of what's it like being signed to a major label uh, like Columbia? As opposed to kind of just like doing your own thing whenever you feel like it, just making music whenever it feels good for you. Um, I mean, there's definitely there's definitely a transition. I think it's a huge honor, obviously, to be on Columbia's roster. So I think it's just like a great stepping point um, or like a uh, like a, a marker for kind of where I'm at. Which you know, I, I love telling people that I'm signed to Columbia because it kind of like. You know, it's just a validation that I feel, you know, really proud of. You know, I'm alongside Bruce Springsteen and, you know, these huge Adele, these massive, massive artists. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, that was a really cool thing. Um, and I think the most important thing, I mean, you hear a lot of uh, horror stories about major major labels, but um, our A&R, which is like, you know, the talent scout at uh, the label, the one who, like, hears the new music and decides what they want to sign. Um, our specific A&R at Columbia he handles a lot of electronic music. He handles what the Chainsmokers are doing right now, and like, I think know, I've heard of those guys before. Yeah, <laughs> they're kind of they're doing their thing right now. But he, um, he, he really understands like electronic music and kind of the new model for pop music. So he doesn't really. He tries to stay very hands off, and I think because of our relationship with the label in that way, and he specifically, um, it's been an amazing transition so far. Like I, we've, I've noticed no difference between being independent and being signed to them only positive things like we have budgets for things now you know they have lay out money for us to do certain things they, so like it's all been very positive and it's like provided a really good infrastructure for us um but like i said uh quit 92 and i are signed to the same me and our same team at columbia so we're kind of just like building together and um yeah it's it's been it's been sweet yeah dude that sounds awesome so i don't know if this is a good question or not but i'm gonna ask it anyway uh, what's yeah. kind of your process for making music? Like, let's let, let let's take the shine for example. Do you are you like making that melody first, and then you kind of go out and you're like, hey, this is the type of singer I'm looking for. Are you writing the lyrics? Is she writing the lyrics? What's kind of the process that goes into all that? Um, well, I mean, it obviously varies with every every song, um, but I think my overall process is. Uh, I mean, like, my crea- me creating music is kind of my time to just, like, be by myself. So I'm personally, and not all people are like this, but I personally like to produce kind of just by myself. Um, so I, I, what I do is I end up, you know, just, like, whipping up a bunch of, like, little snippets of uh, instrumental. Like, I'll create, you know, throughout a week maybe, like, four little new snippets, different vibes of songs. Some go further, some die in their tracks. But I'll, pre- I'll create an instrumental, essentially, and then once I have enough of it to kind of say, like, this is the type of song this is, you know, this is the vibe of the song, I can send it to um, a vocalist to try singing over. Um, for The Shine specifically, that one, um, that one I knew was, like, uh, been a, as soon as I created that instrumental, I just knew that there was something special about it. For sure. Um, and, and, like, the, the team at Columbia was really excited about it as well, so we wanted to make sure that we did it, like, we did it right because you know it's got a really nice drop it's just very upbeat it fits in a lot of places it just is a great single you know like in terms of a single's purpose it's just it's a, it's a good one so um so we want to make sure we got it right and with that one specifically it's cool because the girl who features on it chelsea cutler i've been a fan of hers for like two years um she's actually this young girl who goes to amherst college um 
But I had sent her the instrumental a while back, and after a bunch of online stuff, she's in Connecticut right now. So I flew to New York, and we, with like a little bit of this instrumental, you know, and we got in a session together, and she wrote the vocal. Um, really? She wrote that all by herself? Well, we had we had another writer in with us um, for that session for some for like who wrote like helped to write the chorus and stuff. Um, so we have one other writer who was a part of it. But um, I mean, for the most part, she is like ridiculously talented. So she'll come up with the melodies and stuff. And the writer's place, you know, the one that we specifically work with, just really helps. She says what she wants to write about, and he helps put lyrics to it essentially. But she I like so. really came up with the melodic structure, all of that, and the rhythm. And then once we had that, we were like, okay, well, what do we want to write this about? And he helps us put lyrics. Um, but yes, yeah, so that one had three, there were three writers on it: me, her, and this guy Scott Harris. Um, but for I mean, all the previous work, um, all the stuff I had done with Quinn ninety two, we had done completely by ourselves. You know, we lived in Michigan together. We both lived at home for a year, and that's when we wrote the majority of our music. Um, and like that was just the two of us putting our heads together. But now, now that we're signed to a label, and now that we're out in LA, you know, you let more people get their hands on it because. You know, we're writing pop music now, so it's just like, you know, as long as you find people that you vibe with and you try to collaborate with more and more people. I think it's really cool what you and Quinn have going on right now because I, at least I like I, I'm just a casual uh, ED like like. First of all, do you even consider yourself like an EDM artist? I don't know if this is like jazz where it's more of like a pejorative term. It's like, I'm not jazz. I do bebop or like the, like this, like alt whatever or something like that. So are you EDM? Are you light and airy, fun pop music? I'm definitely somewhere in between. Uh, I, I don't call my, I mean, that's, that's the thing is the EDM stigma. Yeah. That and DJ together, those are like, like uh, they're they're a thing and i try to avoid that because i'm i like to float around i write songs i don't write like dance music necessarily sure. a lot of the music that i do you can dance to whatever but I, when i'm writing i never am focused on like the things that i think edm producers are where they're they're focusing on keeping a dance floor upbeat for the whole song like that's just not how i write gotcha. so i don't i don't i definitely write electronic music but i don't say edm i usually just say we're electronic pop yeah. um and i you know that gives you the flexibility to bounce around and not like pigeonhole yourself in one genre because pop music is all encompassing these days um mm -hmm. which is the cool thing about pop right now so when you say you're doing pop you, you can really bounce around and do whatever you, know, you want to do so yeah i yeah but uh i i think what the really cool thing about what you and quinn are doing is you guys are kind of like a package so as as i was saying i'm more just like a like a cat like a, like a casual pop uh guy you know like i'm on soundcloud trying to like find like new dance tracks or whatever and whenever I find like uh, an artist that I really like and they're singing on the track, I never hear about them ever again. And Kygo or someone else just moves on to like their next yeah. to, to, to their next product, their, their next song. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but just like who who was this singer of this song that I really like? And why aren't they like why, why aren't they kind of uh, taking off a little bit more after this collab with this huge artist? Well, it's interesting. Right now, it's a very interesting time in music. Um, producers are really behind-the-scenes people as of, you know, five or six years ago. You never knew a producer's name because those were the people that made, you know, the music for the vocalist. So, Absolutely, and now it's all that you hear, like, flipped. Mike Will made it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the, the new, now that electronic music is so tied in with mainstream, um, you hear these producers' names, you know, where... Like the, the new Kago Selena Gomez song, for example, that, that never 
his artist name is the prominent thing featuring her, you know, five, six years ago, that just never would have been the case. So mm-hmm. I think, I think, and I think it will end up coming down right now. You, you saw a huge emergence of pop into the mainstream and like, we're still kind of riding that wave. I think things will even back out a little bit and come somewhere in between, but I think it's a special time for producers because, you know, nobody would have known my name five years ago, um, which is the cool thing about right now is that, you know, I can make a name for myself and people actually know what a producer is these days, which is just really cool. It wasn't that way. Um, you know, so I'm coming along in a very interesting time for pop music, electronic mm-hmm. music. I think it's also a really interesting time for pop music because we were kind of like the last phase of kids who went out to Sam Goody or Best Buy and copped like actual physical CDs. You know, I'm not afraid to admit that, you know, I've got uh, The Millennium by Backstreet Boys. I've got No Strings Attached by InSync. I own a physical yeah. copy of those CDs. I know exactly where they are in my dresser drawer back in Jersey. I know exactly where they are. So I'm kind of just wondering what your take is as we're kind of seeing um, live shows and royalties from Spotify, uh, Apple Music, or you know wherever kids are getting their music from these days. I don't know. I'm an old man. I'm 22. I don't know anything. I don't know what's hip anymore. But I was just kind of wondering, from like the music, from like behind the scenes, what are you seeing as kind of the future of music and uh, kind of the like the interesting transition from physical to pretty much. Uh, I, I mean, 100% digital in my opinion. I have no idea how CDs uh, go platinum anymore. I don't like. I yeah. don't know who's buying these CDs. Like a bunch of libraries. I, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, I think I think it's really actually a great thing. What's kind of happened? Um, the digital, like streaming, is the next was the next revolution in music, and it, the music industry became profitable for the first time. Um, I think it was like last year it became like actually a profitable profitable business um, since the like you know the creation of Napster and the downfall of like CDs and stuff. So mm-hmm. you know it was in pop, I mean music the music industry was in a dark place kind of for twenty years like nobody really or maybe last you know 10, 15 years whatever it was. Um, but now again now with streaming people are not illegally downloading songs anymore. They just pay ten dollars a month for a streaming site and they pay for music these days. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you see less people making their money off of the actual sales of um, music. The biggest part of, like, the biggest source of the income these days is shows, you know, like, and that's that's really what you're putting the songs out so that people will come see you at concert because concerts, you make a really good amount of money. So, Absolutely. I think, I think, like, streaming is the best thing in Spotify. The checks that we get from Spotify are incredible. And I think, you know, I'm so happy that these streaming services have taken off. I think in terms of all the digital stuff, I think it's, we're in a really good time for that. And I think music has found a direction again. Like these streaming services have given like music sales a direction again, which is great. For sure. You know, uh, I, I, you, you can thank me for that huge check you're getting from Spotify because I've been listening to The Shine all day. And, and I really do mean that. Like, I'm not trying to suck your dick. If I thought it sucked, I would tell you it fucking sucks. But, you know, I, I, I really think you have, like, a really good thing going right now. And, I'm, and honestly, I'm thank really you. impressed and I'm really thrilled for you. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. So do you listen to your own music? And I'm just going to take this off, like, like – what I my, this is very stream of conscious, so I'm gonna ask you a question and then just go wherever the fuck else I want on a tangent. So one, do you listen to your own music? And two, do, if you don't, did you know that Johnny Depp has never seen any of his own movies? 
Like, he's, he's never seen Pirates of the Caribbean or anything like that. That just popped into my head, and I needed to, like, get it out there on the airwaves. <laughs> yeah, I, I had heard that, um, and in terms of me listening to my own music, um, I so, had so, so you had heard that. <laughs> I, had, I had heard that Johnny Depp thing. I had, he's, a, he's a weird motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I think, I think the interest, because I, I talk about this actually a fair bit, um, I don't listen to my music once it's been released. I listen to my music so much when I have... So my SoundCloud is all private links where I just I upload all of the music that I make. When I'm done making something, I bounce it out and I throw it on SoundCloud in a private link so that I can go around with my SoundCloud wherever I, I have my phone and I can listen to my music. Mm-hmm. So I listen on like nonstop and listening to my own music, um, you know, I, cause I want to take it into the world with me. Like, you know, I have a, a minute long demo and I'll go like ride my longboard or when I'm driving my car, I want to listen to it. And I like think about what I want to change and like get away with it, like, spend some time with it. Mm-hmm. So I listen to my music a lot in the process of like before it's released, but then something happens when I think when you release a song, it becomes for the fans. Mm-hmm. Um, I get, I get my love for the music from the creative process and you know in the three months that i'm making the song and developing the song before it releases that's when i get my thing from the music but once it actually releases i can't change it anymore i can't go in i can't touch it so it becomes not about me anymore it's it's for the fans so like i don't listen to the music once it releases but um yeah i mean my i get my by the time it releases i'm sick of it because i've heard it so many (laughs) fucking times that it's just like i don't want to listen to this anymore so that's kind of that's kind of how it goes i listen to it um, you know, in the early stages, but by, by the time it releases, I don't listen. Gotcha. How did you take your music from maybe maybe you weren't listening to it, but maybe you know, just like showing it to your friends and them jamming out to it, or playing it at a party or something like that? To uh, just like what what was your oh shit? I make music for a living now. Like it's like I'm not just a Spotify guy, excuse me, a uh, a SoundCloud guy anymore. Like this is this is just what I do now. I'm a okay. <laughs> um, the first tour was definitely um, up there last spring, like a year from from now, or yeah, a year ago. We went on our first tour supporting this guy Somo, and I went with it was Quinn ninety two was an artist's bill, but at the time we were touring together, and mm-hmm. I was you know doing stuff on stage with them, but. When we were kind of going around the country um, playing our music, that was pretty incredible. Um, and that's kind of just like when you're when you realize this is unbelievable. I mean, this is what I do. I'm my I'm just driving around to different states, coming to shows to play for fans. Um, that was incredible. The other big thing, I mean, the big turning point in my career was was Kings of Summer um, mm-hmm. and its explosion on Spotify. And like once that happened, I mean, it, the, the story with all of that is it rose on the viral charts. Um, Spotify uh, viral charts and went to number one global in, yep. in the United States for it's been like two two weeks at number one and from there it was just that got at Columbia's attention then um, uh, the, the baseball player Ian Desmond the Texas Rangers used it as his walk up song yeah I saw that on your which, Instagram I thought that was real yeah, cool yeah and that was really crazy because then it started to blow up in Texas and that whole thing was amazing um, you know and now the, the, I, there's two versions actually on Spotify um, a single version and the original version mm-hmm. but between the two there we have like 51 million streams on the two songs so um, which is pretty incredible and that's Damn. that's like that that song in the, the life that it, it had in the life it took of its own is kind of probably the biggest realization that like you know this is something I can do and I can make a good amount of money off of it and you know it, and have such an impact so 
I owe so much to that song um, and kind of the life that it took. Did that song have anything to do with the movie that came out yes. in the summer? <laughs> yes. How, how'd you, yeah, how, was, how did you I get involved obsessed. in that product, project? I, I was obsessed with the movie at the time. Really? Um, oh, okay, I, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, I, it, yeah, like no real affiliation, but um, it had a vibe to it. I wrote it um, a summer. The song, like, I wrote, wrote the song, like, a summer that I spent in Ann Arbor. I went to the University of Michigan. Okay. Um, and I, I went was to in IU. I went to summer. IU. So I don't know if we're allowed uh, to be friends. Oh, that's okay. You, you went. Wait, you went to Ohio State. You said. No, I went to IU. Oh, okay. Well, that's okay. As long as it's not Ohio State. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. How how annoying is it that OSU kids won't use the letter M? Like, just just how childish is that? It's, it's just so childish. Yeah, they're they're an interesting bunch. Um, <laughs> I'm playing a show in Ohio though in like two weeks, so I shouldn't talk too much shit. Okay, okay, I got you, I got you. Hey, no, 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 I completely understand it. I'm not going to Ohio anytime soon, so you know, I'm I'll, gonna, I'll, I'll do it for us. No worries. It, but... <laughs> what else we got here? Um, so I don't know if you saw this. You know, I'm I'm sure you did. Uh, it was kind of Calvin Harris's video of him making the song Slide with Frank Ocean and Migos. Mm-hmm. I didn't I, know that there was like such a pro- – first of all, I didn't know that he could play musical instruments. I mean he's in there like playing the Roland. I mean he's playing bass. He's playing guitar. He's, like, he pretty much played the entire song, and I was pretty impressed. I thought he kind of just like went into like a superior version of GarageBand and kind of fucked around and then – like was like yo Quavo come in here and rap over this and then just kind of shipped it out but like how long of a process is this that you're in the studio for a song like that and could you talk about the layers that are kind of in these songs where I mean I don't even notice half the shit that like when I'm listening to it I'm not even noticing half the shit that's going on in the song yeah um well he actually used to have a band before he was Calvin Harris he had a band it was like this this funk band but he's like he's like an actual musician. He and he sings on all his shit too. But uh, not all of it, but most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's like he comes from like a real musician's background. So he's he's very talented. He also uses a bunch of like hardware gear, like the Roland and all that yeah. stuff, which a lot of you know up and coming producers don't have access to. Um, but the layers, I mean, yeah, the, the especially in electronic music, there are just there are so many layers to the to the music. I would say. I have about like 60 tracks going on, like layers of each song, um, just like different parts. And at one time, you could have like 20 different, you know, sounds um, going. And yeah, it's it's just like kind of an endless thing, um, endless layers. And the human <laughs> ear just does not perceive that. But especially in electronic music, you have so many textures and like most of the sounds like you perceive them as one instrument, mm-hmm. but it might have three different parts to it. One that has like a bass. And then, you know, one that has a higher part, like, it just like, it can, it can, you can layer stuff and there's so much depth to it. So, yeah. But in terms of how fast it goes, that all, that all change, that all depends. I've heard a lot of electronic producers say that most songs they write, they complete in a day. Um, I don't find, I mean, my process is really long. I'll start like seven songs and I won't just finish one and move on to the next. I'll have all of them like slowly moving forward for a three or four month period as I keep adding and adding. That's usually how I go. Um, But I mean, everybody, everybody's different with that, you know? So how are you kind of control? I mean, you you just said that there's like potentially like 60 layers going on during a song. So when you're 
on stage, what are you actually doing? Do you just like press play and then you're just like throwing cakes at the crowd like Aoki or like are you down there just like like actually spinning shit or like what 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 do you do when you're on stage and Quinn's singing in front of you? Well, my setup's a little bit different than a DJ setup um, where they just have two decks in there. I mean, the kind of the, the difference between a DJ and what I do is DJs work with um, like like let's just say an mp3 of a finalized version of a song they take two different versions of two different songs and they can mix them together and that's mm. mixing right in creative ways but they're working with the end product of two different songs let's say for me what i'm doing is i have the song instead of just like one mp3 of the song you know the instrumental to kings of summer for example when we play that live i don't just have one little file that's the instrumental that i'm just sitting play for I have the song divided into all of its parts. So I use Ableton, whereas most DJs use CDJs, which is like hardware. I use Ableton, which is a computer program, mm -hmm. and I have everything laid out um, in terms of the layers. So I have, I have every, I have one song. I divide it into nine parts. It's kick, bass, snare, percussion, acoustic element, synth one, synth two, and vocal chops. And so those are like eight, eight or nine different channels that I have. And I, because the song is divided into those parts called stems, I can affect each little instrument differently. So I have little knobs that affect different things. So, for example, you know, when Kings of Summer is going on, there's little vocal chops going on. I can add little effects to that with the knob. And I can get into the song and affect the little pieces of it because I'm not working with an MP3, which is just the clumped together version of a final song. Mm -hmm. I have all of the songs divided into their sub parts. So um, that's kind of the difference. And I also do some like, I, I have a drum pad on stage and a keyboard. So I play some like, you know, live melodies and some drum parts as well. Gotcha, but, gotcha. Yeah. So I'm just kind of wondering, you're, you're obviously an intelligent guy. I'm kind of wondering, yeah, <laughs> what, <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, you, you're Michigan even in state, I'm assuming it's kind of hard to get into, so, you know, and, and you taught yourself all of, like, this stuff, so I'm just kind of wondering where you see pop music going, heading into the future, because, you know, I, I love trap music, Gucci Mane, Future, all those guys, I love that. But I mean, it's got to something more has to happen than Future just mumbling on a track with uh, with a dope beat behind it. Where do you see pop music going? Well, I think um, the what I love about why I fell in love with electronic music is um, you know you're you're not composing just. I think this is what a lot of like older the older generation struggles with. They don't understand electronic music. They don't get it. They want acoustic instruments, all of that. Mm -hmm. But I think what's been a really cool paradigm shift in um, music is that people are now creating sounds that have never been heard before. And sound design is now the biggest thing. It's not just because melodies, you know, pop music's been around for a long time, and all these melodies are recycled. You know, mm -hmm. they've all been played before. It's just the same three chords. Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's the same chords, it's the same melody, whatever it is, but what's cool now, instead of, you know, it, it got to a point where people didn't want to keep hearing that, now you can expand, you can start designing the sounds that are playing, you know, the melodies and the chords, and that gives you a whole new world to explore, it opens up a whole new world. So, I think right now, you know, you, you see the big thing being that people want to hear these new sounds that they've never heard before, and I also think people are more focused on the sounds, which is why 
future can get away just like, you know, <laughs> with just like throwing auto-tune on and just shrieking whatever the fuck he's saying. For sure. It's because nobody cares the meaning. They just, they like the sound and it's, it's a pleasing sound. And I think that sound design is just going to keep expanding, expanding, expanding. And that's the new focus of electronic music, I mean, of pop music, which is also why producers are now the biggest thing in mm-hmm. pop music because those are the ones that create the sounds. I think so, it's I, th- I think it's really yeah. interesting that you say that sounds like I mean you guys really are creating sounds that we've never heard before and I think it's really interesting that you say that because the with our pa- like our parents music I mean uh, my dad always had 70s music on in the house like uh, Electric Light Orchestra, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, uh, King Crimson and you know though like some of those bands ELO, King Crimson uh, they they were the they were some of the first guys to start fucking around with some of the keyboards and some of the and and my dad who's actually always been a sound guy he I, I don't think he could tell you any of the lyrics to Hey Jude but he knows the fucking yeah. melody inside out and backwards yeah. Um, yeah. so he's always been a sound guy but you know I bring him home something and he's just like what the fuck is this like like I mean maybe he's just setting his ways by the way the guy loves Lady Gaga can't get enough of fucking Lady Gaga <laughs> and Lana Del Rey for... <laughs> my, my dad calls Lana Del Rey like the ghost girl or something like that just because of the way she sings but no my dad fucking loves Lady Gaga just because of that like driving backbeat that he that she has in all of her songs and it takes him back to those disco days kind of so yeah. that's why he fucking yeah. loves that but it's just interesting that you guys really are creating sounds that no one's heard before, but our parents are just like, turn that shit off. I mean, or at least my or at least at least my parents, but my mom really likes Barry Manilow. So I mean I mean so I mean that's I mean that's just her. I mean I don't know if I'm sure your parents are very proud of your music, but I don't know if my parents would like it. <laughs> well, I mean I think um, I think def- I, but there's some that's just like shot like the super intense EDM is it's like so counter what they're used to that they can't get into yeah. the cool thing about the music that i'm making um especially with quinn 92 but also my own stuff is it's it is it's familiar um i think that's why we found success is that there's a familiarity to it that you know when you hear it it's like these easy melodies and these things that don't shock you at all you know it's, it sounds like pop music there's this pop structure to it whatever but it's also creative in the vibe that it puts off which is you know i think i think me specifically as a producer funny that you say the sound guy thing about your dad that's always with me i don't give a shit about lyrics i don't know the lyrics to any of my favorite songs i could give two shits what they're talking about i just like the sounds and, and the what emotion that that you know paints for you mm-hmm. so i think um i think i i'm known for the vibe that my music puts off which is you know it's very light feel good refreshing thing um so i think our music you could play for parents and they'll like it, which is cool. Yeah. Um, and, and I like that, you know, I like that anybody can sit down and listen to that music, no matter what music you like. And you might not play it in your own time, but you can listen to it. You're like, Oh yeah, I enjoy this, you know? Um, so I, I think that's, that's a cool thing about the music that we make. Yeah. So, uh, speaking about that, just like a little bit, you're, you're from the D you're from Motown. Motown's actually pretty much my favorite genre, actually. I, as I said, I was raised on 70s music, you know, um, Barry White, uh, The Supremes, uh, Smokey Robinson, all that stuff. My dad had music on 24-7 in the house. Uh, where do you take your influences from? Because I don't really hear a lot of Motown in the music that you're making. Or, you know, maybe I could be completely wrong and I should just shut the fuck up. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you're, you're not wrong. Um, I... 
you know, it's actually interesting. My parents didn't really listen to music that much when I was growing up. I actually didn't listen to any music, period, um, until I was probably 13 or 14. Um, and the first band I ever got into, I don't know, like, any of the classics because... I mean, my parents just didn't really listen to it. So the first band that I got into was actually Coldplay. Okay. Um, my sister loved Coldplay, and she took me to a concert, and like that was really the only band I'd heard at the time. So I got really into them, and then from there, I kind of you know built up my my uh, you know my interest. But I think what's interesting about for me is that I think my music is very current because um, I didn't really listen to music until I was you know of I was in high school. So. Um, yeah, you wouldn't hear a Motown draw because I didn't really listen to any Motown. Um, and for me, the, the other the other thing is worth mentioning is my favorite group is Odessa. Um, oh, dude, I fucking love yeah, Odessa so yeah. much. Oh, they're, my God. They're, they're the best thing in the world. And that's when I first heard Odessa. It was um, my sophomore year of college. One of my uh, college roommates was into electronic music. He's the one that got me into electronic music. And mm-hmm. he kind of showed me Odessa. When I heard their sound, that's when I really decided to start writing music because I saw this lane open up where it, I had previously listened to rap a lot. Like mm-hmm. I got into rap for a while, but I didn't listen to the lyrics again. I just liked the beats. The beats, and okay. then yeah, and then when I heard Odessa, it was like these rap beats that were really pretty and melodic, you know. And that's that's I I saw a lane opening up, um, and that's when I started writing music. So. That's the influences you would hear would be from like you know the, the, the groups that I really got into Kygo not group but mm. Kygo Odessa yeah. and like that first wave of electronic musicians that were going against just the house music that was at the time and kind of chilling out electronic music you know making it like just more ambient and like you know pretty and that's mm. like kind of what really called to me. I think the reason why I like Odessa so much is the fact that it really is just kind of just like a chill rap beat going on in the background. And then all this, like, I, I, don't, I don't know if there's a music industry term for it, but then there's just kind of just like scat singing. And it's obviously just like half seconds of someone actually singing a, a song yeah. or I don't, I don't know what it is, but I don't know. I just, I just fucking love that. I, and I don't, I, it kind of just like hits me in my core and it kind of really speaks to oh, uh, the words really don't fucking matter. It's all about the sound. Yeah, um, that's, yeah, that's, I mean, you just call it sampling a vocal or okay. vocal chops, but um, that is like the biggest trend in music right now. You hear those little, but they were one of the first people to really, really do it, mm-hmm. and they, and they like, mastered it. They're, they chop up a vocal so that it plays this beautiful, beautiful melody, um, and they turned the vocal into just an instrument, you know, like where mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what they're saying. It's just another instrument in the song. Um, but I agree. That was like one of when that when people first started sampling vocals, that was just like the coolest thing ever. I fucking lived for that. Yeah. Now everybody does it. And it's still cool, but um, it's definitely like then become mainstream. But they were the one of the ones, the first ones to really do it well, I think. For sure. Uh, I, we're uh, we're kind of past a half hour, so I want to be very conscious of your time. So I've really just got one more question. Um, what's next? You got any upcoming shows, any collabs? Is there a – I mean, you, 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 you just put out that EP. Well, not just put out, but you would put out an EP. Do we have a full-length album in the works? Are we working on seven songs at the same time moving forward? What's going on with you? Um, I'm going to be doing just singles kind of for now, mm-hmm. um, where, yeah, I mean, 
mean, I think just with electronic music and kind of the space that I'm in, um, I can get away with doing just singles for now um, instead of preparing for a whole album. For sure. Um, just because, you know, the album sale is not the driving force anymore. But um, eventually I would love to do a debut album. But for now, I'm going to just release a couple more singles um, and I'm preparing kind of my live set, um, my own live set, because on fall I'll go on my first tour, um, like me supporting some other electronic act. Um, so that's going to be the next big challenge, I think, to tackle. You know, I've been writing music. I have a bunch of the works in terms of that. But I think the next big challenge is going to be figuring out how to perform it live and how to bring it to an audience because you gain such – the biggest way to gain a following is being on the road and, like, playing shows, um, in, from what I've seen at least. So um, that's, like, my next big goal that I want to tackle is really getting a live set down. And, yeah, in the meantime, just releasing singles, man. That's going to be the next, the next thing. Gotcha. Are you? Uh, do you, Do you have any plans to uh, come back to Austin? Because actually, the first, re- like the reason why I heard about you is, uh, I think it was a few months ago. Now you were, you and Quinn maybe were performing in Austin, and a bunch of girls from the office went, and uh, uh, my mutual friend kind of was telling me about you. And unfortunately, I didn't make it out to the show that night. Uh, but you 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 popped up in my like new music Friday or something like that on Spotify and it was like oh wait I know this guy and this music isn't bad <laughs> and, then, and then I started talking more and more to our boy and he just put me in touch with you he was like yeah DM him see what happens I'll, I'll text I'll, I'll text him <laughs> yeah yeah we uh, we played a show with Griffin that was the one oh okay that's what it was yeah I we'll fucking love Griffin too that yeah, guy's that guy's awesome. awesome his remixes yeah. are fucking killer they're great yeah um we'll definitely be back in austin though we just actually played south by southwest as well um we were there for that but um awesome. we'll be back in austin and yeah I, i'm like i said i'll hopefully be in all these cities in fall when i go on my first tour so that's I'm really looking forward to that gotcha well the name is a-ok uh do you want to plug your stuff <laughs> yeah, you, can check, you can check out the shine uh released like a week and a half ago check it out on spotify itunes whatever you listen to music on uh, soundcloud whatever it is so check that out and yeah stay tuned for more i guess as, as long as i buy uh the shine on itunes can i use it as the intro song for this episode <laughs> absolutely dude okay <laughs> awesome alex o'neill thank you so much man for coming on i really appreciate it I still played it cool